to this is my sister Kathleen and she has a new podcast. It's called What is it called, Kathleen? Fuck I'm Oni. Fuck I'm Oni. Now that doesn't you know, that's a Tongan word. Why is well, you should know. You are my sister. I know, right? <laughs> I'm the one who knows Tongan, and Kathleen knows. She knows the she she knows the culture. I know the language. <laughs> That's how we do it. That's how it gets done. But welcome to the very first podcast for Fakamaoni. Fakamaoni means Kathleen. Actually, let's talk about that a little bit. Where did that come from? How did how did you come up about actually doing? That's this? a bad question. It's actually a very good question. <laughs> well, as we were discussing... We, as in who? Not me. Yeah, you and I. As oh. we were discussing... <laughs> <laughs> so it was me and you. My man. Yes, as we were discussing doing this podcast, and when you asked me what the name was, that's what came to my mind, was Fakamani. And it not... Was grandma. <laughs> not being fluent in the language... I knew somewhat of what that meant. I knew that mo'oni means true. And that faka is pretty much the. Now it's a an equivalent bit more, of the. It, it the, means, the closest would be. It, it means belonging to or to be because. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah so right. it's to be true or to to give the truth and. When I asked my husband, he said that it means to testify or to tell the truth. So, so here's Kathleen. So that is Grandma reaching in and saying, "Hey, this is what you're gonna call your podcast." Malieta <laughs> lava, Grandma. So, so here, so here we are, and now Kathleen um, or Cat. Everybody calls her Cat. I call her K because my name is D. Um, so, Kathleen, you're um, now going to testify to your to your truth. Is that right? That's what that's what this is all about. That's what it sounds like. My fakamoni, yes. So when I was having a conversation with a friend, she looked at me and asked me why I was a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Why I still was. Why is it that I was still practicing? And she didn't do it to do demean or to question it because she's also an active member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But she was just questioning how it is that I was able to overcome my challenges in life to be able to stay faithful. And as we went into different details and Basically, the first thing that came to my head when she asked me that was, because I know it's true. But how? Right? Yes. She said how, because it sounds like you had this long conversation. It got a little bit deep. It's like one of those, that girl talk, right? Girl talk gets deep. I don't know what what guys talk about because I'm a girl, but girls can get deep. Did it get deep? Of course it got deep. So it got and deep. It went, and it went even deeper. And then she looked at me and said, have you written any of this down? <laughs> and I looked at her and I was like, no, why would I do that? <laughs> Insert blown blown mind emoji here, right? That's like her, her mind was yeah. a little bit blown because of the things that you had shared with her. Is that what, what was going on? Yes. Okay. And because of she's such an inspirational w- woman okay. and because of who she is. And because it needed to be written down. So I took her challenge and I started writing down all of the information and all of my reasons of why. Everything that had happened to me from the time I was young, um, I only got to about age 19 before we had our conversation. Before Kathleen called up before K called up D and said, Hey, do you know how to put together a blog? <laughs> and I said, I already have one. So I'm not really sure what you're asking. <laughs> like re- define the ask Kathleen. So what'd you say? So I was trying to figure out, well, do a blog. And then I told her, well, I have this story that I think needs to be told. 
And I sent it over to her and then I said, or do you think it should be a podcast? And this happened three days ago. No, it was a whole week ago. No, (laughs) it was like three and a half days ago. Don't let her tell you anything other than that. It's been quick. When grandma gets on top of like when grandma comes around, it's like, get it done. Get it done. By the way, our grandma passed away several years ago, but that does has not stopped her influence in our lives. There's no bearing on that, okay? <laughs> she, she still comes around, so I just want to let y'all know. <laughs> That's the way it works. Okay. <laughs> All right. So 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 from there you went from you we talked about the po- you, we talked about the blog and I said blogs are great. I've had one for years. I think for your story, it should be a podcast. Because everybody needs to hear your voice. Right? And that is how this podcast came to be. Welcome to Fakamo'oni. So yeah, there it is. That's why we're here. Okay, so let's talk about that. Let's unpack a little bit about where you want to start with your story. Because there's four pages. Kate sent me four pages of her story. Which is, it's pretty incredible story when you're looking through, what, like when I was going through it. And um, what do I do? Professionally, for about 15, 15 16 years, I did um, writing and copywriting. And, um, and I worked with people who would, um, who would ask me to help them with their story. So, of course, my sister calls me up and tells me, um, this is what I want to do with my story. So where do you want to start? How did, okay, let's, uh, let's, let's back up a little bit. Back to the friend who said, did you write this down? Mm-hmm. You blew her mind a little bit because of the things that you had talked about. Is that correct? Yes. So where would you say that, like, whenever the, whenever I write something, I always talk about, I always talk about what is the catalyst of the story? What's the, what's the inciting action? Because I always like to just get straight to the action because that's where, the the meat and the bulk of everything that happens, um, can has the has the greatest potential to uh, create a very dynamic and intriguing story, right? Yes, but the catalyst that we spoke about, Kenra and myself did not speak about. Okay. So, what has always come to because this is this is she's not the first person who has asked me that, but she is the first active, faithful member who has asked me that. And so it just put a twist on the question for me. But Let's go back to the question and unpack that question. What's the question again? Why? Why why I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Why are you still a member? Why am I still? Yes. Why am I an active member? Why am I still faithful? Um, If you look at my past, who I am, if you see me on the street or if you have a conversation with me, you, I am not a typical Molly Mormon. She's absolutely right about that. Okay. Okay. A lot of people don't actually even believe that I would follow this faith. I am a logical, forward-thinking woman. I am very independent, strong-willed. And one of the most stubborn people you will ever meet. Uh Uh-huh. I can attest to that. That's why I'm standing right here. Because she has to do what I say, even though she doesn't have to do what I say. (laughs) I absolutely don't have to do what she says because, like, I'm grown and I'm older than her. But, okay, go ahead. Go on with yourself. Well, and you're achy. So (laughs) we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that later. But love this girl. Go ahead. But the catalyst that we have already always discussed. Between Kay and myself, not Kay and her friend. Is right. that right? Okay. Between the two of us, the catalyst that has always come to our mind is that I am also a survival of sexual abuse. I was sexually abused by a family member for four years from the age of about 12 till about 16-ish. And it has put me through a whirlwind of emotions and different things in my life. And it has 
created me to be the person who I am. It is not a defining moment, but it, it is. It would be a defining moment, wouldn't you say? It is, but it doesn't define maybe who I am. Exactly. So the the so the def- definition of what uh, what occurred was the it it could it defined that moment that yes. that time frame, and then and then you had to find a way to redefine who you are because of what occurred. Is that yes. correct? I had to figure out how to get out of that being who I am because I did not want that to define me. I didn't want to run around as a victim. If you ask me or if you have a conversation with me, the last thing I am is a victim. The very last thing. <laughs> I think that's why we're like, that's why we're so close. So Kay and I are so close because we, we behave in the same way, right? Yeah, we have both undergone quite a few difficult challenges in our lives and refused to be victims. Notwithstanding the fact that I haven't had, um, I haven't been abused or sexually abused in that way. And so you had your own trials and the trauma that I had to go through. I mean, I think is already, you know, based, it's all over online, but my, I lost my, my mom to suicide. And so I had to unpack that for, you know, after 34 years, 34, 34 years, but back to Kathleen, because this isn't about me. That was a, let's, let's talk about that because that was a time, let's see, from 12 to 16, I'm only about a year and a half older than Kay. Uh huh. And so, um, I never knew. Yep. Nobody knew. Right. Hmm. It was told to a very few, a select few people. Now, just so that you understand our relationship, Wendy and I are actually... First cousins. Yes, from the... Yeah, technically we are first cousins, but... However, we're also um, Tongan. We're we're very Tongan. And so therefore we are sisters. Sisters. So I don't, like, that's the thing is that, like, I think that that's what really gets on my nerves about Western society <laughs> telling us that we're not, we're only cousins. No, no, no. <laughs> if I call her my sister, she's my sister. But I, I was down the street with my auntie who was just living, what, less than a, less than a block away from, from Kay and her family. Right? Yeah. We lived around the corner from each other, spent just about every day together. A lot of times. That's why it was really <laughs> weird. So let's talk about what happened. Okay, so we don't have to go into the gory details of what happened, but let's talk about how that actually affected you throughout those years. Well, you said it the best. I was angry and I was always sad. And it was just a really dark time for me. Even after everything happened and after it had stopped, it was still a very dark time for me. And it was difficult for me to endure to the end. But that was my one goal, was to endure to the end. So let's just go ahead and um, just from my perspective, especially since Kay brought it up, I was... Um, I was very, I mean, well, I was also a kid, but I was very self-centered in the way that I looked at almost everything. And Kay was such a, like, was such a close person in my life that it, um, that while we were going to school, I noticed a a drastic change in her attitude towards every single thing, including myself. And I felt like I was being attacked for it, for her sadness. And instead of looking at her like, is there anything that I can do to help? My selfishness kicked in and overrided that. And I just was angry. I was angry because she was angry and she treated me in a different way than what we had been, what we had usually, the way we usually, we grew up together. Like my mom and her mom were best friends. Best friends. And then, um, and so that meant that we spent a ton of time together and, you know, I loved Kathleen just like a sister, and that's why she's my sister. The only thing is that when that occurred, I couldn't, I couldn't comprehend what was happening, and I couldn't understand 
why she was being she why she was the way she was. So fast forward to the point to the point where I finally found out I was a what a sophomore up at Utah State. You know, yeah, so this was what four years, years later. Yeah, right when it stopped. Four, yeah, well, no, not right no. when it stopped. It was like a year. It was years after it had stopped. All right, because then this particular person was sent to. This person had to have his own come to Jesus, right? <clears throat> um. Not necessarily. Well, I mean, even if it wasn't, even if it wasn't like a spiritual come to Jesus, it, it was a, he did, he did time for what he did, is what I'm saying. Okay, there's the, this like long pause and my face is staring at her for a little bit because I've been told historically something different. So I'm going to, um. Say a small prayer to Jesus so that I can just get past what I'm about to hear. What happened? No, he was never, we never filed charges. He had to become a registered sex offender. Um, but that was it. Oh, I thought he went to, oof. So in the middle of this, I was having depressive thoughts, of course. Um, which is completely natural to want to stop it at any means by any means necessary and but I knew that deep down I knew that it wasn't my fault that I wasn't doing anything wrong I didn't ask for it I often made mis excuses for him and I did my best just to try to understand to this day I still don't <laughs> and I'm okay with that I don't need to understand but when I was in the ninth grade this was one of the few moments that I had where I wasn't surrounded by family and I was actually walking home from school so I was in about the I want to say it was in the ninth grade and I was walking home from school on by myself and I live about two miles I lived about two miles away from the high school I remember coming to I was in front of the boys and girls club which is about a block or two away from West High School headed home when I thought to myself well I could just go the route of prostitution and at least get a good income for my family. And I had a feeling, no, don't do that. You have something that's worth more than that. And so on my walk home, I began to think about my life where I was, what I was doing, whether or not I was doing what I should be, and questioning the things, the, questioning my life, everything about my life. And I remember thinking about a scripture that was, that was in Malachi that talked about the law of tithing, that if you did not believe, or if you weren't sure about the law of tithing, then all you had to do was give it a try. Pay your tithing and the Lord will bless you. And it didn't matter if you believed or not, because as long as you did that, you would get the blessings. So as I was on my way home and I was thinking about my life, I thought, well, here I am doing everything that I should be doing. Uh, maybe I was close to doing, doing most of what I should be doing <laughs> to be a good disciple of Jesus Christ. And I began to think about my actions and I began to wonder 
if the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is true. And so then I took a look at what I was doing with my life and what the teachings of the church were that I was following. And I questioned whether or not, and I questioned I forgot my question. <laughs> then we need to back up. So that's so so let's go back to <clears throat> let's unpack that a little bit. You were talking about how you were walking home and then you said, I'll just go ahead and Oh I'll become a prostitute. So so we're backing up to that part because this is in the middle. Like this is this I is was three still years, being abused. This is three years into your abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, and you had mentioned when you had mentioned this to me the first time, you had mentioned that it was not because you did not think of that because I of know, it. I know, because you were questioning me, so I thought a little bit more and it was. Yeah. It was because if you did you did you feel unworthy? Did you feel unworthy? Did you feel like because of what was happening you must have been unworthy and that um, because of that, you probably should just go, you know, move towards uh, prostitution. Is that what happened? Well, no, it wasn't that I felt unworthy. I just felt ruined. And so it wasn't that because my second thought was I didn't do anything wrong. So it wasn't that I didn't feel worthy. It was that I didn't feel clean. And because of that, you felt like... If that's the case, then I'll just go ahead and throw it all to the wayside. But there was somebody or something. Something came to you and mm -hmm. said, no, you're worth more than that. That's you what have it something said. special in you that you need to save. That's what I was told. I'm going to interject there for a second because this is going because in unpacking that moment for you, you moved from in. And granted, you were in ninth grade. So how old were you? 14? 15? Yeah, I want to say 15. Okay. So granted, you were in ninth, ninth grade and move, you moved from prostitution to the law of tithing. Like, <laughs> like within, 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 within a hot second. But because of what the Spirit had told you, you were more important than to give up what you have. And it could have been something spiritual and it could have also been something physical, right? Mm -hmm. That he, that, that the spirit didn't want you to leave without knowing or that, leave everything behind without knowing that that's what was the most important thing about you. Or well, that I or have that worth. Individual worth, right? Because mm -hmm. that's a big thing too. Okay. So... So, but it moved to tithing. So try it. So let's look into that a little bit. How did it move from, okay, I'm, I'm not worthy any longer. So this is what I'm going to do. And then the spirit hits you back and says, no, you are worthy. And this is what you should do is pay attention to this law. How did that work out? It wasn't necessarily that to pay attention to that law. It was just, was the teachings true? Oh, were the were the, were the teachings that you uh, were was the everything that you was everything of the that Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints true? So everything that you were taught was mm -hmm. everything that you were taught up until the point where you thought about it was it all true? Yes. So I was questioning everything all the way till to the to the law of tithing. Okay. No, I was just questioning everything, and my whole thought was. Would my father in heaven be okay with what I was doing? Then the promise came into my mind about the law of tithing. Because he was okay with what you were doing because you were just going to school. Then when you decided that you were going to like just throw it all to the hillside and, um, and do something else because of what was occurring in your life, in your personal life, because of somebody else's decision, right? Okay. So I'm just trying to, I'm trying like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at that idea and saying to the 15 year old K, 
which she wasn't unable she maybe you weren't able to to put piece that together but at that point when you had that thought you made you you were jumping to conclusions based on the trauma that you were uh, that you were going through is that correct well i was um trying to figure my life out because i was doing what i was supposed to be doing why were these things happening to me mm, there it is so if these things are happening to me, am I doing something wrong? That's the question, right? Because that's mm-hmm. usually the question. Whenever something goes wrong, it always goes back to why is what God? What did I do? Yeah, why mm-hmm. is God forsaken me? Isn't that what everybody does though? Mm-hmm. Like that's a that's a that's a universal thing that to for somebody to say, why God have you forsaken me? But who said that first? Right before the clouds broke through. Who said it first? Who said it first? What I'm saying is like, who said it first? I mean, back in, if we're talking about religion and we're, we're going back to historically. Or who, who said it famously? Who said it famously? <laughs> That's true. Who said, okay, well, I always like to say who said it first because like, who said it first and it was recorded because like, I'm sure that a bunch of people, other people did, but this person the famously, was, yeah. Who said it famously? The guy that was sitting up on my wall. All day, every day. All day, every day. Was he like, he was a friend, wasn't he? (laughs) I had... um, Your brother. This Mormon ad poster from a used magazine. Because we didn't get new magazines. We got used magazines. (laughs) (laughs) If you didn't catch on that our whole family was broke. Like we were all broke, broke. We were on like, we have too many kids. We're all broke, broke, but not broke. I'm just saying like, you know, we just put it together in a different way because not a lot of us had any money. So there's that. We made it work. We made it work. So I had this a poster that of Jesus Christ that said, you are not alone. And I remember lying in my bed crying, feeling so lonely, and then looking up at that poster. And being reminded of his love that he did it and he went above it and he triumphed. And all I had to do was endure to the end. Mm-hmm. One step at a time, one day at a time, just endure to the end. I remember that poster. I remember coming over and always looking at that and thinking to myself, yeah, you know. After my mom died, that that was like, that was a big theme in my life. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I'm glad that that actually came. So, so it was the fact that, and we're, you know, if you haven't figured it, put it together yet, we're talking about Jesus. Um, Jesus said it famously, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so where, so right after that, that's when, right after you got the confirmation and it was from the spirit, right? Absolutely. So it was from the spirit. How did that feel though? It was always a feeling of comfort. It was always my one release. The one time that my burdens felt a little lighter, that it it wasn't as heavy, that it wasn't as painful, that I didn't feel alone. I didn't feel abandoned. I felt like I could do it just one step at a time. Just keep going just keep going she was dory in that moment yes (laughs) k was dory k was dory before dory became dory um that's incredible so when you said that you were um okay i'm not supposed to talk about that boo Hmm? you know like when we forget stuff that's because we're not supposed to talk about it. Mm. <laughs> All right, fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Moving to the next thing. Okay, so, um, and not to make light of anything that just that happened. I mean, what what we're looking at right now is we're unpacking the the idea of the trauma that Kay had gone through for four years, and what that felt like. Peace is what you were given in that mm-hmm. moment. Is that right? I had glimpses of it. So you don't throughout say- my trial. It was it was it never well, 
for me, it never lasts long enough, even today. So it never overwhelms you? Is that what you're saying? Like, No, it just never lasts long enough. I see. I always want it to last longer. Hmm. Okay. That's just an, that's an interesting concept to me, only because like when I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing, then that's all I feel. <laughs> when I'm like, to the side, it was like, I don't know. But I guess that, that comes, uh, I mean, that feeling actually comes to everybody differently, right? Well, for me, the overwhelming piece, the that's what I always wanted to hold on to because mm. I felt I could feel good. Yeah. And I could feel at peace with myself, with my life and all of those fun things. But it's that overwhelming peace that can only come from our father in heaven. That's the peace that I always want to last a little bit longer. Okay. So you were in ninth grade when you had that idea. Mm hmm. And how much longer did it ta did it take before it all ended and it finally the uh, changed for you? Use happened for probably another year before divine intervention and family stepped in. Is that what happened? Mm-hmm. Okay. Before I yeah before. Before it finally ended. Did you hit rock bottom? I would say that was one of the darkest times. I don't think that it's the darkest time that I had. Okay. But it was one of them. Yes. And it was close to the, like, it was the closest to the bottom that you've ever been? At that point. Okay. You want to dig into that one? No. I mean, we're just talking about the 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 idea of what ha what occurred because I feel like that there was a lot. There's a lot of people out there that might be listening that have known somebody or have experienced something similar in their lives, and they're still trying to unpack those type of those feelings and see to see where they're at and how to how to fit something like the gospel back into their life because of it. And so I guess the idea is. So did I have suicidal ideations? Absolutely. You want to go into that story? I mean, what stopped you? What, what start? Like, obviously we know what, what could have um, led you to that to that to those ideas mm -hmm. but what stopped you from it i was i was so tired of being abused i was so tired of being so sad and being so depressed and being so angry and i was so over it i was over all of it i didn't want to deal with it anymore and I remember that it was, I remember knowing it was going to happen again. No, it had already happened that day. And I knew it was going to continue. And I knew that day was going to be a bad, bad day. Um, I was on the basketball team of my high school and I had sprained my ankle so I was walking around with a limp so I couldn't go very far or very fast and so when he started following me around the house I went outside to feed the dog and when he followed me out there and he followed me out there I went inside and I could not figure out where to run my grandpa had a hunting trailer that he parked in our yard. So I went into the house. I grabbed the one and only key, went back outside, and hid myself in that 
camp, that hunting trailer. I climbed up on the bunk and hid my, buried myself with pillows and just prayed and cried. My body was flush against The right side of my body was flush against the outside of that trailer or against the wall of the trailer. And there was, and that was it. And then I was covered with pillows on the other side. And then I heard him trying to get into the trailer. So he eventually figured out that that's where you were at. Mm -hmm. Again, this is my grandpa's hunting trailer and I knew that there was a gun in the cupboard right next to my head so I was going to be done I was So my thought process was always to protect my siblings. I am the oldest girl, the oldest daughter, and did not want anything happening to my younger siblings. So for me, I would take the brunt. I would take the hit. I would take that pain so that they didn't have to. So as I was in that trailer with him, trying to break in I had the thought in my head to just end it to take that gun and just end it all and then I remembered I didn't do anything wrong it's not my fault and then I said okay fine I'm gonna end him and then I thought that would suck for me I don't want to be in jail and so then I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to shoot him in the leg. And, and at least it will stop for now. It was at that moment that he got into the trailer and began to apologize to me. Wait a minute. He busted in through the door, right? Uh-huh. And then he apologized. Oh, crap. Yeah. But we got to backtrack. So we'll just back up, back up because there was a moment right before he bro broke into the trailer, right? There was a few moments. So as I was lying there, flush my right side, flush against the wall of the trailer. And as I was thinking all of these thoughts and things that I'm going to do with this gun, somebody held my hand. There was no one there. But somebody was holding my hand. And they were there with me. They gave me strength. Let me know of their love for me. And all it took was for them to hold my hand. He then made it into the trailer and began to apologize to me. I began kicking and screaming. So he, he came into the trailer. He walked up to where you were at. And then instead of doing what he, you thought he was going to do, he started apologizing. Mm -hmm. hmm. 
And then you started kicking and screaming? Yep. And I didn't stop until he left. And that was the last time that it happened. Let's just go ahead and go to the next part of that story, though, because like here's this is what I heard because I was a like I said I was already up at uh, up at school. I heard that you had gone missing for about a day, almost a full day, and all the boys were looking for you. That's what I was heard. That's what I heard, and and while I was up at school, <clears throat> I don't know if I tried to get back down there because I. I had Bubba, I had my little, that little Ford, silver Ford that, that, that I was driving around, um, because Gullah was on her mission. So, um, so I was trying to get back down there, but that's what I heard from it, um, from somebody, I can't remember who it was, but that you were missing for like a day, and I didn't know what happened, and then right after that is when I was told what I told I was told what ha what happened and that he had been placed into that he was put like that he was um he was put in jail or prison or something like that he was going to try my house I did so and sat up at the kitchen table my mom was working graves um but she was working as data entry from home and so I asked her no so my mom was working data entry at home and she was working graves. So when she woke up to start work, she got very upset seeing me sitting at the kitchen table. And she, she asked me what I was doing up and With tears in my eyes, I told her what happened. And she just... I could see it on her face. I could see... The drop in her eyes and how upset she was. And then she asked me what I was doing or what I was reading. And I told her I was trying to, for I was trying to find a scripture that said that I didn't have to forgive him. <laughs> and she just looked at me and said, I'm sorry, it's not there. And I was like, yeah, I know. I've read a ton of it and it, there's nothing there because I wanted to be able to not forgive him. But you did. It took years, but I ended up forgiving him. And we ended up with a pretty solid relationship. Solid in, in what in what aspect, would you say? In the aspect that if he needed something, I was the one he called. In the aspect if anything was going on with any family member, I was the one he called. I was also the one who would rip him a new one without hesitating. I would be the one who would call him to repentance. <laughs> and the one who would... Who was very firm and direct with him. And people always questioned our relationship. And I just rolled my eyes and said, don't worry about it. <laughs> they would credit, but what aspect of your relationship would they question? Would they question the fact that your uh, forgiveness of him was sincere? Or was that even... No, the, just the way that I would treat him. The way that I would talk to him. Oh, I see. Because... Because of the dynamics of who you really were to each other. Yes. Okay. Because of the dynamics of who we were. And the way that 
I would speak to him was not the way that you would speak to someone. Let's go ahead and unpack the part where you're right after this, uh, this incident occurred and you said that you're the second oldest of six kids. So there, you know, there are two boys and four girls other than you. Or three girls, three girls, three girls other, other than, than you. So I have an older brother who mm -hmm. has been Mr. Protective all of our lives. Um, and then I have, and then there is two sisters and then my younger brother and younger sister. So that's just kind of our, the order of our family. But when my siblings found out, they just, they all were just very sad. They were very broken hearted, but my older brother was, he was the one who This moment is taken for they were taking a moment. Um, <clears throat> but um, Kirkland Kleenex is sponsoring this moment for the next twenty six seconds. Kirkland Kleenex is sponsoring this moment. So my older brother was the one who I think took it the hardest, and. I could be wrong, but I kind of doubt it. I think he blamed himself. So your older brother, her older brother actually went to school with me at that time up at Utah State. And he was a freshman and I was a sophomore because he had just come back, right? From his mission, From yeah. his mission. And um, when I was, when I was speaking to him, um, I could barely get out two sentences without breaking down. But the one thing that I remember Victor saying um, throughout that whole time was that he was only ever going to be there to protect his family, his brothers and sisters, and especially his sisters, because there was a lot that he felt responsible for because he wasn't there for her. Is that what, is that what you're saying? Because he might not have been there because he was on his mission. The mission's only two years. <laughs> oh, that's true. Because like the two years, but then he didn't realize that that he the, had no idea. Nobody, nobody had that. Nobody had a. Well, I didn't. Why would I have a clue? But uh. well, who would have thought? My family was supposedly the perfect family. Mm. We were the ideal family, and for a long time, you were. Everybody thought it. Even people in the neighborhood and things of that nature. My friends and classmates thought that it was the best that I learned how to drive early because then all of a sudden their parents let them drive. <laughs> so if Kathleen could drive, then that means all, that the, it's homies, okay. all the homies could drive. It's okay for everybody else to do right. it. <laughs> all the homies could drive. That's um. That's a lot to have to to shoulder, and I think that that he's done that for. I mean, he he did that for like all of his life, right? Being he, our protector, yes. Right, because that's that's what I remember having conversations with him about, and it wasn't very many conversations, of course. It was just the one, because I broke well, down. Well, and we. It was the one didn't conversation have afterwards. Many con we didn't have conversations about it either. Our Between conversation, your, yours our con and Victor's. Uh huh. Okay. Our conversation <laughs> was never, never be afraid to come to me. That's true. Or to feel like you can't, or anything. That was his thing. As he always felt like he had to protect us and take care of us. It's a lot to put on a. Somebody who's three years older than you. <laughs> yeah, but he's always been that, that way, though. 
he's always been that presence and even though you know like he's you know him and Y and all of the boys I think the ones that were the closest to to the situation and knew about it mm -hmm. all felt the same way they did and it was comforting to me to know that because I wasn't sure how people would react if they found out if I would be blamed or if people wouldn't believe me or if it would just destroy my family, which in some ways it did. But in the most important ways, it actually did build you up, didn't it? My siblings and I ended up becoming very close because of everything. Because we needed to make sure that we took care of each other. Because very often we felt like that's what we had and that's where we needed to go. Right. So even to this day, I think that there's not one of my siblings who I don't feel like I can rely on. And none of, there's not one of their kids that I don't look at as my own. Right. And you've seen them run around my house. They act like it's theirs. <laughs> That's exactly what happens. <clears throat> and Decay's place is theirs too. It is. And they know it. <laughs> so I um the silver lining of the situation is that scripture that I um so the silver lining of that of the situation um even as traumatic and horrific as it as it was um it, there was that scripture that came up right it was the Romans 8:28 I think here I am sitting standing here double checking yeah, but it was Romans 8.28 where it speaks of yeah and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose now <laughs> let's go ahead and unpack that for a second because it could be interpreted in, in a different way however the way I looked at it was that trauma no matter where it comes from how it works like not to diminish anything that you went through but it did teach you and it helped to it did it only defined a moment of your life but it I look at it as it turned you into the person that you are because now you have the capacity. I was very stubborn. Like we mentioned before, I am very stubborn. Okay. And I was very stubborn in not letting this be my life. Or to define who you are. I didn't want it. I didn't want it to be what my life was all about. Was this defining moment that this happened oh that's the girl that oh da, 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 da. that's and so any time that I could I faced it head-on and I was a brat about it so when you were saying that you were a brat about it <clears throat> I mean I'm I don't... saying we were sitting in as a young woman my previous um, young woman's president was teaching a relief society class and at times the young women will join the relief society and then this was one of those Sundays that we joined the relief society and she was teaching it on this these abuses that are happening and what to do and I just sat there and cried the whole time and my auntie, who lived around the corner from us, or, well, that you were staying with it, lived around the corner. Right. Was, was sitting in there, and she... 
She already had, she already known. She had already known. This is. This was years. It was already made known to the family. So this was about a year later. Right about a year later. Okay. My, um, my poor, her name's Darlene and I love her. We're still in contact today. Oh, you're, oh, I remember. Yeah, you remember her. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Remember how amazing she was. Yeah, she was great. She still still is. She's still great. But I remember her just being so genuinely worried for me and wanting to stop the lesson and my auntie just getting all mad about every little thing and I was like no I'm gonna deal with it she kept on trying to get me to leave the class and I was like no I'm gonna deal with it no I'm gonna deal with it I was never one to run away with it so let's let's uh let's just define a little bit about that moment um uh auntie grace right Uh uh-huh so uh, that's who I stayed with, and um, I had our like I was already up at school by that mo- by that time by the time that this was occurring, but Grace was looking at the situation, knowing what um, what occurred, and wanting to give Kay a break space. and spray space and asked her to me. yeah and asked her to leave, so that she didn't have to go through listening to this lesson. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Um, Darlene, who's the uh, young women's president, is was. concerned. Who was, was who at the time was at the was the was young a, women's president? No, at, no, no. At the teacher, she was just at teaching? the time she was she was now a relief society teacher. Oh, but she, she was just came previously in previously. My oh, relief so society, so she just came in and she was young women's president. Oh, right, right, because you were in relief society at that moment. So she was concerned for you as well, and you I, wanted to just sit there and just take it on. Yes. Like you, you <laughs> remember when I said that, when I said, remember when I said that Kay and I are really, we're really a lot, we, we grew up together, so we know each other so well. She, I know what she did. <laughs> I didn't have to be there. I know what she did. She, she was like, I'm going to take this on. No, mm-mm. I'm going to cry <laughs> through this, but my eyeballs are going to be like, my whole face will be red, but that's okay. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Yep. So what, what did you do? That's what I did. <laughs> What did you say? I like what we well, did... after I just sat there and I just and as, did you tell them? Did you say anything, to... or did you just sit through it and cry? I did. I just sat through it and I cried, and then I talked to Darlene after. Okay. And I apologized, and I told her what had happened to me, and she broke down crying. <laughs> so it wasn't. It wasn't a matter of. It's just that I. I've always looked at it like this. Screw the naysayers. For everybody who's listening in on this podcast, I am, I'm, I'm glad that Kathleen has finally come to a to a to a place where she's able to relay this information, um, and in hopes of, and I don't know, this is in hopes of helping other people, uh, <clears throat> come to terms with whatever situation they might have gone through, right? Is that correct? Yeah. And also to be able to know that even in the face of all of that, just because things are going wrong doesn't mean that nobody is with you or that you're fighting this alone or that you're the only one or any of those things. Because at this point, like that's, that's why I even brought up that scripture is that at this point, Romans 8, 28, you know, we know all all things work together for good. So both good and bad, right? So mm-hmm. b- both the good and the bad work together for the good. And that's part of the reason why I said, do the podcast. Mm-hmm. Like, writing it is one thing. Speaking it is a whole nother level of, oh my gosh, I've got to get this. I, I, I just said that. It was real. Mm-hmm. And... The one thing that keeps coming to my head is <clears throat> I've heard I've heard that hurt people hurt other people. Have you heard that? Oh, absolutely. However, I've also when when I was when I think about that concept, I always think about healed people. Do you feel like you've been healed since then? Absolutely, yes. So I don't feel like I have to carry that around. 
So, so Kathleen, you're so healed people. So my thing is, if hurt people hurt other people, healed people heal people. And that's what Kathleen is doing in this podcast tonight. Thank you for joining us here at Fakamaoni, a Christianity and faith-based podcast series featuring Kathleen Pahulu's stories of her childhood, her faith, and her family. My name is Wendy Finau, and it is the goal of this podcast to help initiate thought-provoking conversations that will help you to also find power and healing in sharing the truth of what compels you to walk by faith. Join Kathleen every other Sunday as she shares more of her personal journey and what keeps her steadfast to her faith. (laughs) 